Good morning and thank you for joining Dynamic Web Church. This live broadcast coming to you from South Africa, bringing the message of God's unconditional love to the uh, web members of Dynamic Web Church all over the world. And to first-time viewers, people that just view every now and then, welcome and I believe that you're going to be blessed today. I want to read a scripture from Psalm 136 and just share the beauty of the mercy of the Lord with you. In short, before we're going to go over to the worship and um, into the Word of God. We've got some important announcements on a crusade that we're going to do that I want to invite you to if you, if you are willing. So, just stay tuned. Um, after the worship, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Right, let's read Psalm 136 from verse 1. It says, I'll give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. And this is so powerful, and if you really start to read it from the perspective of the writer and why he wrote every word that was written there, he didn't just come and and write those words for nothing. That word that he used there was there for a purpose. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Why is God good? Why is God seen as good? It's for His mercy, His ability to treat you better than what you deserve. Uh, another word for mercy there is to be moved in the bowels, to, to be moved with a, in the innermost being, that when you see somebody going in distress, when you see somebody going through a hard time, that you are moved in, in your innermost being, um, and, and you feel compassion for Him. Now, the Bible says, give thanks to the Lord. Now, the goodness of God brings forth worship in the lives of people. And the goodness of God is seen as goodness, or God is seen as good because of His mercy. Because He's got compassion on those that don't get it right. Because He's got compassion on man by giving Jesus Christ, His Son, so that His Son could obey on our behalf, die on our behalf, be resurrected on our behalf, and return to bring the manifested glory of God into us. Amen. So, Hallelujah. So it says here, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Now, if you don't see God as a merciful God, you will not see God as a good God, and you will not have a reason to praise. As simple as that. Oh, give thanks unto, unto the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His mercy endures forever. Him alone that does great wonders, for His mercy endures forever. So why does God do wonders? Because of His mercy. Amen. Hallelujah. So many times we want to work something up to get God to do a miracle. We want to work something up to get God to do a great wonder. The greatest wonder, the greatest phenomena that we've ever seen is God that became a human um, a human being obeying on behalf of man, dying on behalf of man, being resurrected on behalf of man. And that He did because of His mercy. Hallelujah. To, to Him that by wisdom made the heavens, for His mercy endures forever. So, yes, God is a God that by wisdom made the heavens. But why do we give praise to Him? For His mercy endures forever. To him, um, to him that stretches out the earth above the waters, for His mercy endures forever. So here it comes and it says, it, it explains who God is. That's what the, the psalm writer does. He explains who God is. God is a God that stretches out the heavens. Let's praise Him. Why? Because this God that stretches out the heavens, His mercy endures forever. So what he actually is saying is not that there's worship because of the fact that He creates the heavens, uh, it's because this God that creates the heavens, that is so awesome and powerful, that does wonders, His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. To Him that stretched out the earth above the waters, oh, to Him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for His mercy endures forever. To Him that made great lights, for His mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for His mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for His mercy endures forever. To Him that's, that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for His mercy endures forever. Now, I mean, it goes on like that up until verse 26. Everything He says 
um, is from the foundation of verse 1, which says, I give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. I give thanks unto the God of gods. Why? For His mercy endures forever. I give thanks unto the Lord of lords. Why? For His mercy endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His mercy endures forever. So what he does is he says, give thanks, and then he says who this God is, and uh, what about this God produces the worship is the fact that He is merciful and that His mercy endures forever. Now, the word endure is not in the original language. Um, it, it actually says, for His mercy forever. Now, you can actually say, for His mercy is forever. You can say, if you want to put it in, in, into English, you can say, because He is merciful forever. Or you can say that His mercy endures forever. Now, I love the word endure there. The word endure uh, actually speaks of to take prolonged strain. So, what he's saying is that give thanks to the God that created the heavens for His ability to treat people better than what they deserve can take prolonged strain. So, uh, you can put strain and lean upon the mercy of God um, because that, that, is what, that is who He is. That's one of His character traits that He's God. He's this awesome ruler, the God that created heaven and earth, that is absolutely holy, far above anything that He created, far above man, far above animals, far above the planets, everything. I'm not talking about distance. I'm talking about authority and holiness and all of that because this, is a fall, this planet is in a fallen state at the moment. So, He came, uh, He is far above all those things. But He, in His greatness and in His awesomeness, is not um, just high and lifted up in the sense of, I'm high above you and I, and, I, and I cannot associate with you. But in who He is, He is merciful. Amen. He is merciful. So, um, it's awesome to think, you know, if you think of a big company, if you think of somebody who's got a worldwide company, the boss of that company, and one of the things why He will be praised is because of His mercy. Not because of how great He is. You know, He is the richest man. Yeah, but why, we, why do we praise Him? What brings praise on our lips when we think of Him? His mercy. Now that is what the psalm writer writes here. Let's just see more about who God is and what God has done and why we praise Him. Um, and brought out Israel from amongst them. Yes, God, God brought out Israel from amongst them. That's who God is. For His mercy endures forever. Why will we praise the God with a, uh, now it says here, with a strong hand and with and stretched out arm? Why will we praise the God who's got a strong hand and a stretched out arm? For His mercy endures forever. That's why we will praise Him. To Him which divided the Red Sea in parts, for His mercy endures forever, and made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for His mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his hosts in the Red Sea, for His mercy endures forever. So, the first part of the verse is what God does, and the second part is why we praise Him. The first part is who God is, and the second part is why we praise Him. Hallelujah! God is a wonderful, wonderful God. Amen. Let's praise a God that raises the dead. Why will we praise Him? For His mercy endures forever. Amen. So, mercy produces worship. And that's why I love to, uh, when, when we sing and when we worship, sing about the merciful acts of God. Because that produces worship in the heart of a person. Amen. So I want to tell you this morning, maybe you woke up and you, you had a little bit of a sin consciousness. You've got a problem uh, financially. You've got a problem in your marriage. You've got a problem somewhere. I've got good news for you. God's ability to treat you better than what you deserve, will never end and endures forever. And for Him to manifest that mercy is, is wonderful because He is the Almighty, all-powerful, and His mercy endures forever. So you've got the Almighty, all-powerful God that could stretch out the heavens, that could open the Red Sea, that could um, drive out the enemies, that could give lands for inheritance, that could do all those type of things, that is willing to treat you better than what you deserve, with His power. Amen. With His authority. In other words, it's like saying uh, a, a very rich businessman 
is going to be merciful to you. How is He going to be merciful to you? The way He's going to be merciful is in accordance to His power and His ability. So God is going to be merciful and He is merciful to us in accordance to who He is and His ability. His mercy uh, um, brought the people out. Amen. It was, that was the man, this is who God is and what He's done because of mercy. He's a merciful God. So, don't think that it's just somebody that is just, that's going to be merciful to you, that's got no power behind His mercy. There's power behind His mercy. His mercy can give you a, a, a very good job. His mercy can give you a child that you could never have. His mercy could give you financial increase that you could never have even thought of. His mercy could give you, uh, um, His power that is behind His mercy could give you peace that you could never imagine to have in the situation that you're in right now. Amen. Hallelujah. That is the goodness and the mercy of God. Let's praise the Lord today. For His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Like this one preacher says, And when you've come to all the end of all the forevers, then Amen. Hallelujah. Let's worship together. Well, isn't that just awesome, awesome, awesome to know that we can just hide away with Jesus. And you know the song just before this one about the name of Jesus. That you don't know how to, you don't have to know how to say the right prayer. You just need to know how to call on the name of Jesus. And the way we call the name of Jesus is with faith in what He's done for us. Amen. When I say, when I think of a problem and I say Jesus, the word Jesus means Savior. Um, in, in Matthew in the beginning and, and John, I think it's in John, um, Jesus, uh, the Bible says that the angel came to Joseph and said, you will call him Jesus, for he will save his people. He will save his people from their sins. Amen. And that is, that's what the whole name of Jesus is all about. You know, I spoke to a guy and I could just see that, <clears throat> you know, as I speak to people, that the, the concept of Jesus as a Savior is, is really in just the hearts of a few people. If you say the name of Jesus and you think of your sins or you think of anything and you say Jesus, what does it mean to you? He is Jesus for He will save His people from their sins. Amen. The sins and the consequences of the sins and the effect that sin had in this world. Amen. There's a confident expectation that we can have in Jesus Christ which simply is that He will return and the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, will come to this earth, not just to the people that we pray for. You know, when I pray for a sick person and he gets healed, the kingdom of God has come to that person in the area of healing. Um, but he can still be poor, and he can still be worried, and he can still be stressed. And then I can pray for his um, financial problem, then God can heal him there. And then the kingdom of God has come in that area of his life. But there's, a, there's going to be a place where the kingdom of God is going to come into every atom of this physical world. Man, that is awesome. And that is something that we expect as Christians. And because of what Jesus Christ has done, the faith that we have in Jesus, that's the foundation from where we expect this to happen. And it's wonderful that we can already have a taste of this kingdom, which is Jesus Christ, which is the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us today, which is the down payment of or for for that to manifest. So we can already experience the peace of that kingdom. We can already experience the righteousness of the kingdom, the power of that kingdom, the glory of that kingdom, as we believe and meditate upon what Jesus Christ has done for us. But it's just awesome just to get back to the name of Jesus. You know, I, I remember preaching um, in a church and I, I just spoke on the name of Jesus. What does the name of Jesus mean to you when you hear the name Jesus? Because so many times you get songs that say the name of Jesus is sweeter than anything. It's more beautiful than anything. Why is it beautiful? It's because of what we connect to that name. What it means. You know, in the Hebrew language, a name spoke of who a person is. And um, God said clearly, you shall call God in human flesh Savior of sins. Amen. Hallelujah. Deliverer. Savior, He will save us from our sins. That's what God is called for. That is His character. That's His nature. That was the purpose of the manifestation of Jesus Christ, was to save us from our sins. And the salvation from our sins is not just to get you to stop to sin. 
but to set you free. And the way He set you free from your sins was, was not by just telling you to stop the sin, but by removing the law that empowered sin in your life. Because the sin found its occasion by the law. It found its source by the law. The law, uh, um, the law is holy and righteous, but sin finds its power inside that law. So Jesus removed the law. And when the law was removed, what makes you a sinner? There's nothing. The only thing that can make you a sinner is unbelief in Jesus. To say, I don't stand for what He's done for me. That's the only thing that can make you a sinner. So, um, for, those, for those of you who, who have been in this message of grace now for a while, you might think badly, but why do you put a song on that says that, um, you know, you are merciful to me a sinner, like the first song we, we, we sang here. Is, um, the reason why I put it on is, <clears throat> there's two reasons. Number one, it's good for me to know that, and I don't see myself as a sinner anymore, but without Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. That's the way it is. Without Jesus Christ, under the law, I'm a sinner. Without Christ, without life, without salvation from sins, I'm a sinner. So He's been gracious to me, a sinner without Him. Um, But I I don't really uh, look uh, into that a lot um, for myself. But there will be people, there might be people that's watching this for the very first time. And that's the main reason why I put that. Because there are people that can relate to that. They've just listened to the little bit of mercy that I've spoken before the worship. They feel a touch from God. They experience the, the grace of God. They've just been sinning. They feel they're sin conscious. Um, people that, that has never received Jesus as Savior and now they experience the mercy of God. That's why I put that in so that people can relate to, um, to God as a God of grace or grace, a God that's merciful towards sinners. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I want to invite you, if you're in South Africa or anywhere in the world, um, it doesn't matter. We are having a crusade in Mozambique and we've got place for 10 to 12 people to go with on this crusade. So if you want to come on this crusade, it will be from the 4th of September until the, I think it's the 12th or 13th, the end of the following week. The exact dates will be on the website. Um, we'll put it on uh, on Monday. So tomorrow we'll put that on. So we are, I want you to think of that. If you want to be part of that, you are more than welcome. You'll, of course, have to pay your own plane ticket to get there. Um, all the, we will give you all the details. It is in, in Yamban, Mozambique. There's a flight going from Johannesburg directly there with Mozambican Airlines. So I think it's the only airline that flies there. I've checked on the internet. So, um, and that's about 2,500 Rand for a ticket, a return ticket. So if you want to go with, you'll have to pay that. The accommodation is for free and then just food there. And what we're going to do is in the mornings, I will give uh, an hour session teaching on, on the message of God's grace and love for you. Uh, the message of empowerment to manifest the kingdom of God in the lives of the sick and those that are needy. And then we will go out in the mornings from house to house, share the gospel with people, pray for the sick and invite them to the crusade. In the afternoons we will be off and then in the evenings we will have the crusade where we're going to see people getting saved and healed and whatever. And man, that's just going to be awesome. We're also going to work with some leaders, uh, uh, training and teaching some leaders. So that is, that's awesome. If you want to be part of that, I want to... Uh, open this up for anybody and just bring it under your attention. Um, you can also have a look at our, on the website, all the crusades that, that's coming up and conferences and whatever. If you want to be part of that, you are more than welcome. Please look into that. It will be good to, to have you, especially at the crusades, because in a team form, uh, we work, it's, it's just so much easier. If 10 guys go out, 12 guys go out and they go from house to house and they just share the gospel with people, it's such good advertisement for people to come to the crusade. It's such a good place for people that has heard the message of God's grace and that has got a desire to go and manifest and share the life of God that's within them. So think of that, ponder on that. You don't have to stay for the whole uh, uh, time. I know there's some of you that's got businesses, some of you that work. If you want to fly in and uh, be there for the first three, four days um, and then fly back. I mean, the airport is in the town where, where, where we are, so we don't have to drive far to get you to the airport. Um, we, we can do it that way. So just feel free, feel open, and it's just awesome. Mozambique as well, and a bonus upon that, it's really a beautiful place. It's, it's like paradise, like a tropical island. 
the area where we're going to. It's very, very beautiful, pretty place. So, um, that's just on top of that. That's not the, the purpose why we go. We don't go to a place because it's a beautiful place. We go there because of the people that need the gospel. And that's where God opened the door for us to share the gospel. So, I want to invite you to our crusades. It will be good. Just let us know in advance. Speak to us. Give, give, the, um, give us a call at the office. And uh, yes, we will tell you whatever you, what, what you need. On this one, it's so nice. This guy gave us a, a house that can... There's actually two houses that can sleep 10 people. Um, so, whoever wants to come, you can come. Very nice. You, you can go to Sunset Lodge. Search that. Sunset, Sunset Lodge in Yambang. Um, and that's where we're going to stay. Amen. Right. Um, let's get into the Word of God. Today I'm definitely finishing off with the book of James. I want to just read from chapter 4 and verse 11. <clears throat> it says, verse 10, it says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Now, what that means is not uh, lay me down and kick me, please, mindset. What it means is, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord is, the context was towards people that were under the law and thought that they could be um, be righteous by their works. And he said, humble yourself by knowing that you are, cannot be righteous by your works. Under the mighty hand of God, hand speaks of a work. Under the work of God, in other words, saying that God made me righteous, and then you'll find that He will lift you up. You'll find righteousness manifesting in your life and a lifting up the place where you've always wanted to be. Amen. Then he says, speak no evil of one another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now, there can be different ways of seeing the scripture, but the way I see it here, when it comes to judging your brother, um, we, don't, we live by the law of liberty. And if you judge your brother and find him guilty, you are placing yourself under the law of do's and don'ts again and not under the law of liberty. So if you say, oh, you've done this wrong, you've done that wrong, you've done that wrong, then you, you are actually judging your brother and judging the law, saying, now the context here is brethren, and, and saying that the law of liberty could not set the man free. And you become a judge of the law of liberty. So, um, uh, uh, and I, I, I don't think it can, because under the law, the Old Testament law, you were judged, and people judged each other, and they judged if people sinned or not, has not sinned. So I don't think it speaks of, the Old Testament law. And if it speaks of the Old Testament law, it's not applicable to those who are righteous anyway, because the Bible says the law, it's good to use the law, but then you must use it lawfully, knowing that the law is not for a righteous man. So, that's why I think he says this in verse 11. He says, There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you that judge one another? So, it says there's one lawgiver. So, who's the lawgiver? It's God. So, what law did He give to us today? The law that He gave us was the law of liberty in Christ Jesus. And the only judgment that we can make, and if we get to the end of chapter, uh, chapter 5, we're going to see that there is a judgment that can be made by us. And that is to see if somebody's in the law of grace or not, the law of mercy or not, the law of liberty. And if he's in the law of liberty, then we can help him and advise him and in such a way correct the man from his error when he goes off this message of the finished work of Jesus Christ correct him in such a way, save a person and cover a multitude of sins. Because when you're not under the law of life in Christ Jesus, your sins stand open to be judged. For judgment came in Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world and was removed. And if you refuse to take the removal of your sins by Jesus Christ and you say, man, I will stand before God without Jesus Christ, I mean, you stand guilty. You're going to be judged. And, uh, and, and the judgment will be you have not believed in Jesus because you have not believed in Jesus. You stand guilty because then you stand in, before God in your works. And uh, there's no salvation for you that way. So it says in verse 13, Go to now, you that say tomorrow, say, uh, that say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such, such and such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not, what shall, we, uh, what shall be on the morrow? For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So what he's saying is, um, and he's getting back to the concept of, by my own power I can do things. He says to the guys, and he's trying to just, and I believe he's trying to imprint this into their minds. He says to them, listen, don't say tomorrow I'm going to do this and tomorrow I'm going to do that. 
if it's the will of the Lord, it will happen. So what he's trying to say is, listen, know that God is the one that does these things. God is the one that gives increase. God is the one that blesses. God is the one that prospers. And if it's the will of God. Now, so many times we've interpreted that scripture wrongly and we say, you know, we don't know for sure if God wants to do something for us. If it is the will of God, then it can happen. Now, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, uh, well, I'm going to try and if it's the will of God, then it's going to work. That's not what he's trying to say. I believe the context of this is to say it's not by your power, but by the will of God. And uh, we can go and then say, take the scripture and study and see, does God want us to prosper in the case here financially? Does God want me to prosper tomorrow? Then we say, yes, by the will of God, I will prosper tomorrow. For the Bible says that he was rich, he became poor, so that we through his poverty might be made rich. So it's not, if it is the will of God, maybe if he finds it good somehow, somewhere, he did find it good already. And he proved it, and showed his love in the finished work of Jesus. Hallelujah. He was rich. He became poor. If it's the will of God, I will be healed. Now, the Bible says that he was, he, he was well. He received our sickness, carried our diseases, so that it might be fulfilled. That's what the Bible says, that the sick might be healed. Amen. That they might receive healing today. And like Peter said, he says, In the name of Jesus, this crippled man was made whole. And the Bible says, and Peter and them prayed for the people and all of them were healed. So is it the will of God that people will be healed? Matthew chapter 8 verse 1. The guy comes to Jesus. He is, he's, he's, he's got leprosy. He says, Jesus, if it is your will, I will be healed. He says, I know you've got the power, but I don't know if you want to. Then Jesus said, I will. And that will, there is not just, I want to. That will is, it, he, he answered, and, and the Greek meaning for that word is, it is my purpose. That's why he, he said, that's my purpose. Well, if you want to heal me, you can, Jesus. Jesus answered, that's my purpose. Be healed. Amen. So, please don't fall under a law thing there, uh, uh, and under, uh, not just a law, under a thing of uh, a wrong mindset about who God is. You know, if God wants to heal me, then I might be healed. No, that's not the way it works. God wants to heal you, and you're going to be healed. But what if I'm not healed? What if you are healed? If you are not healed, let me, if you are not healed now, let me tell you something. I, I want to put it this way. Everybody in Jesus Christ will be healed anyway. Everybody, without any question. Even if he died. Even if you believe that the Lord will heal you from cancer and you die of that cancer, you know what? That cancer does not have victory over you because Jesus will return You'll be raised from the dead and you will be alive forevermore and you will be healed. Amen. Everybody is always healed. Hallelujah. If we can just have a broader picture. Amen. But now, is it the will of the Lord to heal me today? I believe that is the number one will of God. For the kingdom of God to manifest in your life. For Jesus is the word of God. If we want the word of God concerning healing... We must look at Jesus. We can't go and say, yes, but what about this and what? Jesus is the Word of God. He is God's idea. He's God's plan. He's God's action. He's God's everything manifested in this world to show us God's idea about healing and prosperity and everything. And everyone, without any question, everyone that asked Jesus... To be healed, was healed. There's not one place in the Bible, and there's argument that people always use, and this is the guy that was at the pool of Bethesda, and uh, there was many sick people there, and Jesus only healed the one. Now, you know what? If everybody there started to grab onto him and say, I want to be healed, heal me, Jesus. You know what? They would have been healed. It's like the Bible says, uh, uh, another place where, where the man was paralyzed and they opened the roof and they, and they led him through. The Bible says, and the presence of the Lord was there to heal them all and only one was healed. But the presence of God was there to heal everybody. And I believe the same thing with the man at the pool. The presence of God was where Jesus is with a purpose to heal them all. So, if you want to know the word of God on healing... Look at Jesus. 
He is the Word. If you don't believe me, let's read it. Let's go to John chapter 1. And sometimes it's good to read the Scripture. It just sinks in deeper. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And then, and I want to put in my own words, it says, and then we could see the goodness of God. His goodness was full of grace and truth. So when Jesus walked on this earth, we could see who God is. You know, if, if you look at me today, you can, to a certain degree, see who God is. But if Jesus would come and sit here in His own person, you would know exactly who God is. Now, when we look at Jesus, and I thank God that His actions and what He's done and everything was written down, we can see exactly who God is, what God's Word is, because the Word of God became flesh. God's way of thinking, that's the word Word, God's Logos, became flesh, dwelt among us, and, um, and, and we beheld the glory, the splendor. God, the, 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 you know, the glory of something is the view and opinion you have of that, of that person. In other words, the view, you, the, the, the view one could have about God was manifested and was full of grace. So the view and opinion of God is grace. That's it. When you see God for who He really is, you must see, you must say, a gracious God, full of long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving sins, pardoning people's sin, setting them free, healing the sick. That is the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> that's awesome. That, that's, that's just so, so, so powerful. So, yes, the Word became flesh. So, what is the will of God concerning healing? According to, to, to the Word, it is all must be healed. So, here we come, and, and, and James, so many times, that Scripture has robbed us, because we say, if it is the will of the Lord. The context here is to say, listen man, put your mind, not in your own ability, but in what God has done for you. That is the context, right. For um, that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. You see, now they rejoice in their own ability to do things. It says, such rejoicing is evil. In other words, if we go back to, uh, um, I think it's Luke 18, the man that prayed with uh, prayed at the temple and, and then there was the sinner that was also praying. The one was saying, thank you Lord that I can fast and I can tithe and I am holy. He was boasting, but his boasting was in his own ability to do the scriptures and in God giving him power to do it and get it right. And then he stands righteous by God giving him power. And then by his power he does laws. And by doing those laws he stands righteous. But that boasting, according to this verse, is called evil. Because these guys were boasting. We're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to... And these people were believers. They believed. Believing Jews that were very legalistic and still zealous for the law. That's who they were. Which today actually, uh, uh, to a great extent, is, is most of the church. You know, this morning my wife and I, we spoke about a certain, certain church denomination that was born out of the teachings of Martin Luther. Which was, um, we are not righteous by our works, but we are righteous by, uh, by grace. And by what Jesus Christ has done. A righteousness by our works. That church was started out of that, but that very church that was started long ago, out of that, and broke away from the Roman Catholic way of thinking, those people are now opposing grace again. Because they've been under the law for too long. They've been hearing a law message. And because behavior modification teachings was starting to creep into the, into the pulpit again, and as that started to happen, people started to become law mind, having a law mindset again. And all of a sudden you find that, that there's no life. There's death again, just back where they came from. And because they didn't yield to the warning that Jesus gave when He said, watch out for the leaven or the teachings of the Pharisees, because the teaching of the Pharisees is full of hypocrisy, thinking it looks good by your works, but actually, that way of uh, serving God is called evil. 
a very holy life, listen to this, a holy life, doing all the things right, even in the name of Jesus, trusting in your ability, thinking that God blesses you because of what you do, is an evil life. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. These people, listen, when they got something right, they were happy. It was exactly like the man in Luke 18. He was happy. He came with thanksgiving to God. And he worshipped God, the Bible says. And he says, thank you Lord that I'm not like that person for I do this and this and this. So trusting in what he does, that's evil. And uh, so the context of this is just, don't trust in your own works, but trust in what God has done for you. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and does it not to him, it is sin. Now I believe that uh, uh, the, the context here is grace was given. He tells people here, listen, don't do this, don't do that, in the sense of don't be under the law, be under grace. And now he says, to you that know how to do good and that doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So, if you know to believe in the message of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace, and you don't do it, it is, it is sin. Okay. Now, listen, uh, uh, now listen to this. Chapter 5, verse 1, I think, it, and to verse 6, was not written to the believing Jews. It was li- written to those who oppressed the Jews, the believing Jews. It says, Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries, that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. So many times we thought that this was just directed to every rich person. This is not to every rich person. You can go to chapter 1. It speaks about the pe- uh, chapter 2. It says here, um, uh, in verse, chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which He has promised to them that love Him, but you have despised the poor. Do not the rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you were called? If, um, if you fulfill the royal... Okay, that, that's it. So what happens here is, these are talking about rich men that oppressed, rich people that were under the law, that hated the name of Jesus, that blasphemed the name of Jesus. That's the context of chapter 5. When, and the book of James talks about the rich. Rich in their own ability and finances. And the context here is finances for the, the garments. They had these beautiful garments, but they were actually moth-eaten. In other words, if you look at them from God's perspective of grace and mercy and the finished work of Jesus, although these rich people, they were obeying all the laws and living this holy life and, and they were giving a lot, like Jesus said, you know, the rich came and they gave and then the woman came with the two pennies and she put that in and He said, this woman gave more than all of them for they gave out of their abundance and she gave out of her lack. That's what the, the type of, of, of thing you must have in your mind when you, when you read this about the rich. Okay, so it says, Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver is uh, 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 can- cancered and, uh, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh and it, um, as it were a fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last... Um, you have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold the hire of your laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you, of you kept back by fraud, cries. So what he says is these people were stealing from the poor. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord. You have lived in pleasure on earth and have been wanton and, um, and have been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just and he does not resist you. Now listen, this is not just if you've got money, now you condemn because now you've got money and because you've got money in the bank or you've got some saving, now you feel condemned because, oh, this is written for all the rich. No, no, this was written for the rich people who didn't believe in Jesus, who blasphemed the name of Jesus, who were only standing for the law. Remember the book of James was written for the twelve tribes that were scattered. It was written for all the Jews. Okay, it was not, this was not written for the brethren because um, verse 7 starts again, says, Be patient therefore brethren. 
then speaking to the brethren again, unto the coming of the Lord. You are oppressed by, rich, by these rich people. But don't try to fight them. Don't try to be angry with them and get under the law and judgment against towards them. Just wait for the return of the Lord. He'll do something for you. Amen. That's, that's what he said. Because there are many people today that are oppressed. But you can't get out of your job because there's nothing else for you at the moment. Then just be patient. God's opening a door for you somehow, somewhere. In peace. It doesn't help. You've got nowhere to go, but you're just making so much mud and dust where you are that it is just a, a fight and, and, and just even more uh, uh, worries and stress because of this. Because these people that had a lot of money, they were powerful. You must realize in this world, money has got power. And because of money, they could arrange very hard times for the church. So, let's just read this again, then you'll see the context. It says, Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your misery that shall come upon you. So, they will, there will be misery coming upon them, because just after that, he speaks about, about the judgment of the Lord that's coming, will come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your soul is, is cancelled, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Talks about the judgment of God. You have hid treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers which have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, cries. And it's come up to the ears of the Lord. You have lived in pleasure on the earth, and have been wanton, and have nourished your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, now listen to this. These people were still into killing the just, and has not, um, and he does not resist. He just this guy is too weak to do anything, for he doesn't have any money. He's just poor, and the rich, this rich rich people were coming and killing, blaspheming the name of the Lord, pulling the people in front of judgment seats and all that. He says, "Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat? Do not they blaspheme the worthy name by?" Uh, the which are called. So in other words, these people were, I think the judgment seats were, were of, the, of the, the synagogue of that time or whatever. They were brought before the judgment seat and they were re-implementing the law, bringing the people before the judgment seat. Okay, so talking about the rich. So if you're a rich person, if you've got financial prosperity, I see myself as a rich person. I don't think I'm poor. You know, they say the average income a couple of years ago was uh, per person in the world was something like 16 rand. It was 2 US dollars average per person on the planet. Now let's make it today 32 per person on the planet average. If you get more than that, you are above average. So most of us watching today are way above average. So we can see ourselves as rich. So that is not just written towards the rich, every person that's got money. It's, it's not. It, it's talking about people that were also resisting the Lord Jesus Christ, using their being, really abusing others. Right. It says here, Be patient therefore, brethren. Now, before I read that, I just want to say this again on the rich. The only way you can stand guilty before God and be judged in the last day into eternal condemnation is by not believing in Jesus. So if these guys are going to be judged, it's not because of the wrong they've done, but because they don't believe in Jesus, and then the wrong they've done will be accounted to them for their unbelief, because of unbelief in Jesus. Be patient therefore, brethren, now speaks of the church again, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it, until it received the early and the latter rain. But you also, be also patient, Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Now, so many times we've used verse 7. Revivalists has used the scripture, and I preach it this way. It says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and, he, um, and has long patience for it, until it receives the early and the latter rain. So, so many times we, we've used the scripture saying, you know, there's a revival uh, uh, coming, and there was a first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which was in Acts chapter 2, and there will be a last outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. And then after that great revival, and everybody now getting saved with a supernatural revival is going to sweep the earth, then the Lord's going to come. <clears throat> now, that's not what that scripture, maybe you can use some other scriptures for it, 
But that's not what that scripture talks about. The context here is patience. That's the context. He says, look at the farmer. The farmer, you know, uh, um, the rain comes and, and I remember, you know, you will get, when you plant something, you'll get the early rain that comes and it grows and, and there will be early rain and the rain goes down a little bit and then towards the end, as the, as, as the, the maize or whatever you've planted comes, the seed needs to become full and when that happens, you need the latter rain. Rain needs to come and then it uses that rain and it just makes every seed nice and healthy and big and gives it good weight and all of that. And uh, you wait for that. You don't start to harvest in the beginning. And I think so many times what, what people want that says, Lord Jesus, come back today, come back today, you know, they don't, it's foolishness. You can't harvest when the thing's not ready. And that's what he's saying here. He says, just be patient. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. So, that's, to me, that's all that scripture says. It talks about patience. Be ye also patient. So, it talks in verse 7 about the patience of God. Don't try and get a doctrine that's, that's, not, gonna, that, that's not in the Bible. You know, Acts chapter 2, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 140 people were filled with the Holy Spirit. They prayed in other tongues. And those tongues were tongues that, that was not heavenly tongues that cannot be understood. It was tongues of this planet that people can understand. And then they heard the wonderful works of God. So it was people preaching in other languages that could be understood by people that was there with a purpose to spread the gospel. It was power to spread the gospel. It came from 120 people in the upper room. Now, there's been much greater outpourings after that. So we can't use that as the first outpouring and then there's another out, one outpouring is going to be. We've, we've seen, you know, in the crusades, uh, I've done crusades where we pray for people to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit where three and four and five thousand people receive uh, other tongues and people get healed. Miracles by the hundreds, you know, and where you really see people getting saved by the thousands upon thousands, much greater than, than that time. You know, and that was years ago. That happened, uh, man, you, you could find a hundred of, a hundred AD, you could find miracles and stuff like that already. Thousands of people getting saved, really being touched by the power of God and all of that. And now we're seeing millions of people. Now, that does not speak, and, 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 and listen to this. I believe the Holy Spirit was poured out, and whosoever taps into the Holy Spirit and what God has done in Jesus Christ receives the power of God. There's not this thing of God is keeping something back and then He's going to pour out and then everybody's going to hear and then God's going to do something. No. The context of James chapter 5 or 7 is simply patience. Look at the farmer. And then he goes on and he, and, and he talks also about the prophets. Look how they waited. You know, so the context is just be patient. He says, Be also patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Grudge not against one another. Now, the grudging not against one another is also connected to verse 11, where it says, Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother um, and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Like I've explained, that's why I've started. That, that was the purpose of starting verse 11, to explain this verse. Grudge not against one another. Don't become judges against each other again, um, lest you fall into condemnation. The only way you can fall into condemnation is by falling from grace. There's no other way. You can't all of a sudden now, because I've said something against my brother, now I am... No, no. Because If you grudge against your brother all the time, looking at his works all the time, works, 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 you'll become works-orientated, you'll get back under the law. Don't do that. Just take, take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. So the whole thing here is be patient. The Lord is coming. Be patient. Um, behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. And the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not. Now listen to this. Just verse 11, then we get to verse 12. It says in verse 11, Be patient as Job. You see, Job was patient and then blessed. So be patient, the Lord's returning, and we will be delivered from these things that keeps us down. Or we feel that keeps us down. That, that isn't like, for instance, your your body that's dying. Um, 
in this world you find oppression, in this world you find uh, presidents like Robert Mugabe and, uh, you know, messing up a whole nation. You find those things. So, uh, and the people in that, be patient. Don't start to fight and whatever. Yes, God will bring the deliverance in that situation. God will also, I mean, we've got people that's come over to South Africa that's living good lives here now from Zimbabwe, living good lives now. God has opened the door for them. They'll be going back when the things, when the things are better. Amen. So, thank God. Um, God opens doors. Uh, but don't become judges now. You know, because the moment you start to judge, oh, you've done this, you judge, 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 judge all the time, and moaning all the time, your mind's all the time into what they've done wrong, you become law-based again, and you, you will experience condemnation in your heart. Right. <clears throat> Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. Okay, verse 12. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into condemnation. Now, so many times we've said, uh, you know, you're not allowed to say, I swear, or I swear this. Now, so many times when they did uh, swear by an oath, the way it worked was simply um, saying that if what I say is not true, curses can come upon me and the favor of the Lord can be removed from me. And that was swearing by God. That's, that's how it worked. And then they would say, okay, I will not swear by God, because, I mean, that's a bit too much, but we'll swear by the temple. You know, as sure as what this temple. And then Jesus said, listen, man, you're swearing by the temple where God dwells. It's just as good as swearing by God, or by the altar, for it's also part of, of God. So what he's saying, don't swear. Now the swearing was, if this is not true, then curses can come upon me and the blessing of the Lord can be removed from me. So he says, don't find your, uh, uh, um, your blessings in your ability. Because these people were starting to swear, God's going to do this to you. And, and they're going to start to swear, by this time God's going to come back and do this. He says, don't swear. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, the Lord will come back and I will be delivered. Amen. That's it. Don't say, I swear by this time, and if it does not happen, then it's, the curse is going to be removed from me. Uh, blessings can be removed from me. Don't put yourself under a law again. That's what he's saying. Lest you fall into condemnation. Don't do that. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. In other words, if you are afflicted, just pray to God. That's all. Is any of you happy? Sing a song. Is any of you sick? Among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now listen, you know, this was, anointing with oil was not a practice under the, um, <clears throat> under the heathen. They didn't actually know what this anointing with oil thing was. It was something the Jews did as a sign of, if you anointed somebody, you said, listen, I anoint him unto something. Like David, when he was anointed, he was anointed to be king. And so it was something in the minds of the Jews that said, listen, there was power in that, making it final. So they anointed them unto healing. So they prayed, anointed them. It was something that really helped people in their belief because of the tradition that they were in. Okay, it's not to say that everybody must go around anointing people now with oil. But if you want to do that and that means something to you, it helps your faith, do it. Okay, anointing him with oil in the name of Jesus. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. In other words, prayer in the name of Jesus, prayer of faith being persuaded of the finished work of Jesus Christ, will get the sick man to be healed. And the Lord shall raise him up. So it's not you raising him up. The Lord will raise him up. And he shall, and if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you might be healed. Now, <laughs> you know, so many times that scripture has been taken out of context as well, completely saying you must now confess your sins to one another, otherwise God cannot heal you. Now, that's not the context of that healing. The healing for the sick, talking about the sick in their physical bodies, was bring the elders, let them pray, and they will be healed. But then he comes and says, confess your faults one to another. In other words, the faults that these people had one to another because they were fighting all the time. They were, in verse 11, they were speaking evil of one another. Chapter 4, verse 1, uh, from where does war and fighting come among you? Do not come from the lust that war in your members. They were really... Having a, having a go at each other. 
all the time. He says, now, confess these faults to one another that you might be healed. Because they were also sick in their relationships with each other. So confess your faults to one another. My brother, you know, I've been in the law over there. You know, and I've been judging you over that and that. I'm sorry. You know, I've been bad-mouthing you and you know about it. I'm sorry. So that the relationship that there is between each other might be healed. So when he was talking about healing, I believe he was talking about physical healing, anointing with oil, praying for the sick, and then relationship healing, confessing to each other. I don't have to, you know, if I've, if I've uh, um, in my heart, if I've sinned, <coughs> having a secret sin in my heart, it doesn't mean that I must go and confess that now to everybody. This scripture out of context has really ruined the church in many places. You know, somebody um, has been in secret sinning. Nobody's been knowing about that. Now he comes to the, to the open with it. You know, uh, like this, this one uh, pastor, he's been going through a hard time. And um, one of the people that I'm talking to about the Lord and whatever guy that's not saved, he said to me, listen, you know, um, I went to this guy's church and all of a sudden he stood up there, I'm a visitor, and here he confesses sins, evil things that he's done in secret. It's between him and his wife, secret, in front of all the church. And this guy said, "I, I felt like throwing him with something, saying, just shut up. You know, he needs a friend or somebody close to him that he's in a relationship with to to help him with that. That's when he needs a revelation of the finished work of Jesus to help him in his marriage. But all of a sudden he comes and he confesses sin publicly and now we think that that's now going to help and that's going to heal the situation. There's a problem in their marriage. Now they should actually confess to one another their mistakes in that marriage. Now they come and they, conf- they don't understand the scripture, confesses through the whole congregation. There's 250 people there. Getting everybody upset bring great uh, 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 instability in the church because we don't understand that scripture. We can't go around just confessing all our sins everywhere. That's irresponsible. <laughs> you can't do that because especially leaders. I want to tell you, if you're a leader and you've got a mistake, make sure that you've got somebody that can help you when you go through a hard time, somebody you can trust. That's not going to run open with the things that you do because people are so... Law, it's, it's got this law mindset. And then they, 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 and they think that preachers are perfect and can't do anything wrong. And they see the man that's preaching and, and they see that that is how he is every day in his life all the time and he never makes a mistake. No, that's not true. You, preachers make mistakes. They also get upset. They also do things wrong. And we take that scripture and so many times uh, leaders have taken that scripture saying you must now come and confess publicly. No, that public confession thing, that's wrong. The Bible says the love of God covers sin. doesn't expose sin. You know, so uh, especially when it comes to leaders and those and, and church, man, in my church, uh, 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 the preaching point I have got in Belleville, I'm not going to get people to come up and just confess publicly. No ways. And I'm not, if I've got a problem, I'm not going to stand up in front of everybody saying, you know, I've got this problem or that problem. No. That's for me and God and between me and my wife. Any problem that I've got. And then I have got two, three or four very good friends that I know is established in the grace of God. And if, I've, if I need help, I'll phone them. And I'll contact them and say, my brother, I struggle with this revelation or I struggle with that thing in my life. Please pray for me. I, uh, I've been preaching uh, on finances, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, but I am fearing like mad. You know? And then they will share with me and pray with me, people that I have over years. Please don't go and just confess things that you've done wrong to anybody. That you just the first guy you know, I'm confessing my sin. Man, it's, it's like this, this story, the story, the five preachers, they sat together. Or three preachers, and, and they, they said, well, you know, let's confess to one another, you know, our sins. But they didn't actually know each other, they just went away, now they're confessing. The one guy said, you know, I've been cheating on my wife, I've been doing this, I've been pornography and this and that and whatever. And that's my problem. And then the second guy said, you know what's my problem? I've been stealing the church's money. That's my problem. 
And the third guy said, you know what's my problem, guys? I struggle with gossip. So, <laughs> you know, we, that's, that's exactly... There's always somebody that struggles with gossip. So, please, you know, and, 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 and if he's not delivered right there, I, I tell you that the two guys with the other problems really prayed for the guy with the gossip problem. Because he needs deliverance today. And uh, just don't take that thing out of context. The context there, I believe, is the relationship. Because these guys were just fighting all the time. He says, don't judge each other. Don't speak evil of one another. Confess to one another. So, confession, if you want to confess something, and this whole thing about confession, God's not going to say, well, I'm not going to heal you because you're still angry with that person. The Word of God concerning healing and unforgiveness was proven by Jesus. He healed them all. Do you want to tell me there wasn't somebody when He healed thousands of people, there was everybody there had nothing against anybody? No ways. They were in sin, man. There were people there that He healed that was in adultery. There was people there that He healed that was stealing things. There were people there with even unbelief. There were people there hating one another. There were people fighting with one another. I can bet you that people in the healing line <coughs> were fighting with each other who's in front and who, who was pressing and pushing into the line and who was not. They were still fighting on the way to be healed by Jesus. That's the way it is. And they didn't confess everybody their faults to one another to be healed by Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Word of God on healing. He manifested the Word. If you believe, you healed. Amen. That's it. Now, don't say if you've, now you prayed, now you, you're not healed. Oh, where have I got sin, you know, that I haven't confessed towards my brother? No, that's not the way it works. Amen. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might rain. So what he's saying here is, listen, my brother, we are normal people. We, we fight with each other. We do these things, but we know that we can still receive from God. Okay, he's a normal man. A normal man who prays to God can receive from God. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, uh, l- listen, let's, let's, listen, listen carefully. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save the soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Amen. So what he's saying here is actually also, you know, if you pray to God, there's forgiveness for the, of you. If you pray for another person, there's power in your prayer. In when you pray for that person and when you help your brother and correct him from his way. And I believe he also says this, telling people, listen, I have written the, this five chapters to you people, to the twelve tribes that, that are scattered abroad, to correct you from your error in doctrine so that you can be saved and your sins can be covered. Hallelujah. The way he corrected them was getting them back under the message of grace. Now, well, that was James chapter 1 to 5, verse by verse. Hallelujah. All of it grace-based. Isn't that just awesome, awesome, awesome? So, you can just go back into the archives and just see. It will be titled James something. I don't know exactly how they've titled it, but just look at You will see the book of James from chapter 1. Listen to all of that again. It's just such a blessing. If people ask you questions about the book of James, download this, give it to them. Make a CD, give it to them. Amen. Hallelujah. If you've got any other questions on the book of James, please contact our office. Write us an email. We would like to answer that for you. I believe every verse there is grace-based. Amen. So, if anyone, anybody of you are still feeling that you're under the law, judge and condemned, know that Jesus Christ brought it all for you. He has set you free completely. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If anybody of you have never received Jesus as your Savior, and you are still your own Savior by your own works, I believe today is the right day for you to receive Jesus. We're going to pray what we call the sinner's prayer. And after that, I'm going to pray for the sick. And then we're going to end off with a beautiful song. And then we're going to have our cell cell group meeting for those of you that are interested. Just follow the instructions that's on the screen. 
um, on, on the website there if you want to be part of that on Skype. Um, and, and we're just going to fellowship. So, yeah, let's open our hearts uh, in this prayer to receive from God. Receive your salvation. Receive your healing. Hallelujah. And don't be ashamed. You know, maybe you are there at home and you're even ashamed of just saying, Lord, I confess that I have not believed in Jesus as my Savior. I've tried to be my own Savior. Don't try to justify yourself. Come to a place where you say, man, today I give over to the grace of God and receive life. Let's just pray together. If you want to just receive salvation today, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I confess that I try to be justified by my own works. Thank you for giving Jesus. I have come today to receive forgiveness by Jesus Christ. I receive Jesus as my Savior. I receive life and life in abundance. I confess that my sins are forgiven. I confess that I have sinned and that I'm set free. Today, I receive Jesus with a purpose to make use of Jesus. I am saved by Jesus Christ. Amen. And just there where you are with your eyes closed, just receive the peace of God entering your heart. Experience the new birth, the life of God indwelling you. And receive the power of His Holy Spirit that gives you new life right now. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. If you've still got any sickness in your body, you feel pain somewhere in your body, I'd like to just stretch forth my hand and pray for you. I believe that God brings healing. If you've got back problem, headache problem, shoulder problem, whatever pain you have, I believe the healing power of God is here today. The manifestation of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom to come is here today. And you can taste that kingdom by experiencing that complete healing today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I stretch forth my hand to every person that's got sickness in his body. I would like you to put your hand wherever that sickness is. I bring healing to that lower back problem. I bring healing to that hip problems. In the mighty name of Jesus, I remove all that pain from that person. I I bring healing from, from cancer, HIV, AIDS, financial stress and worries. In Jesus' mighty name. And I set you free in the name of Jesus. Not by my own godliness, but by the name of Jesus. You are raised raised up and healed right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Just receive your healing by faith in what Jesus Christ has done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. If this has blessed you, we'd like to hear from you. Just write us a letter um, under testimonies. You can go down. Click on testimonies. At the bottom of every testimony, there will be a a part that says, I want to add my testimony. Or just under contact us, you can just write us your testimony. It will be wonderful to hear what God has done for you. Thank you that you've listened. Enjoy this song and God bless you.